Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. That's tops among the active guys in the league. In the middle, Henry, he's open. Hunter Henry broke a tackle on his way to the end zone for a touchdown. Good move in the open field for Henry. Opening drive score for the Patriots. New England takes the lead again. Third and ten. Dalton steps up. Picked off at the 40-yard line. Isaiah Simmons. Simmons down the sideline. Simmons inbounds. Simmons all the way. You don't see a lot of home runs to center field, and a guy knows it's gone. Live <laughs> ball to right. Backs up Benson. Corbin Carroll has hit another one against the Reds. And the Diamondbacks have taken the lead right back. 3-2. Got him! Paul Seawald walks the high wire one more time, and the answer backs have answered back. Corbin Carroll's two-run homer in the bottom of the eighth inning gives them the lead. They hang on for the 3-2 win, and their push back into the postseason picture continues. They've won five in a row, and 10 of their last 12 to get to six games over 500, and they leapfrog Cincinnati into a wild card spot. Here's the pitch, and Shohei drives the ball deep into right center. It's way out of here. Right out of the blocks here on this Wednesday. It's showtime. 2-0 Angels. Rios fires. Big shot. No doubt. See you later. A two-run home run ties this one up on a swing. A moonshot. 417 feet. 110 off the bat for Santander. Unbelievable. Three balls, two strikes to Varsho. Here it comes. Fly ball, deep center field. Mullins racing back on the track, and he has it. Ball game. And the Orioles come back after losing the first game of the series to take two from the Blue Jays, and they win the series against Toronto this year, 10 games to three. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports zone guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Friday, August 25th edition of the Sports Zone. It's almost, uh, you know, football Friday here. Close. We're getting there. Even though I don't count this weekend as football Friday because week zero sucks, quite frankly. But welcome to the Friday, August 25th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7, the Patriots over under seven and a half wins in 2023. The Cardinals, should they have held out for more before trading Isaiah Simmons? The Diamondbacks, what stood out on Thursday night? Shohei Otani, should they completely shut him down? The Orioles, will they hold on and win the AL East? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline. 
At 9.15, the last of our AFC East previews. Christopher Price with the Patriots uh, covers, well, covers the Patriots for the Boston Globe. We'll talk, talk Patriots today. Makes sense. Meanwhile, 9.30, didn't say it very well, but it really does make sense. 9.30, it'll be interactive action, 602-260-1060. And the local roundup, including some Cardinals trade analysis, some Caleb Williams stuff out there yesterday, and also uh, Diamondbacks and Reds analysis from last night. Then the final segment of the Sports Zone, the National Roundup, that'll be topped by from the MLB scoreboard. Then after the Sports Zone, from 10 to noon, it's the Extra Point. Hosted by Kayla, that'll include an NFL season-long uh, prop discussion uh, with uh, Brian Blewis of uh, Pro Football Network. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, the 2023 New England Patriots over under seven and a half wins. And Kayla is here and has the early returns. Under leading the way here at 67% of the vote, over trailing at 33%. Your answer might depend on whether you believe new offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien can make Mac Jones a better quarterback or your answer might depend on whether you believe that Jones can be a competent NFL quarterback no matter whom the coordinator. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, should the Cardinals have held out for more than a seventh-round pick for uh, Isaiah Simmons in the trade that was made yesterday? Kayla, what's up here? No, leading the way at 64.7% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 35.3% on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. There was some speculation around the NFL on Thursday that the new Cardinals administration did not want Simmons around anymore, which would explain the seemingly little return for the eighth overall pick of the draft just three years ago. Meanwhile, staying on the local front, the Diamondbacks won the first of four against the Reds. Corbin Carroll got the Diamondbacks finally on the board with a two-run, two-out homer in the bottom of the eighth inning. Paul Sewald needed 28 pitches in the ninth inning to get the save. What stood out during the Diamondbacks' 2-1 victory last night over the Reds? Spanning the globe, Shohei Otani reportedly is traveling with the Angels on the road trip, presumably. That means he'll be the DH, at least for now. Should the Angels shut down Shohei Otani from hitting the rest of the season? Obviously, they've already done that as far as his pitching after the UCL tear. Meanwhile, the Orioles are 31 games above 500. The AL East uh, leader finished their regular season series last night with the Jays. The Jays, I'm sure, are pretty happy about this because the Orioles won 10 of those 13 matchups. Will the Orioles hold on to win the American League East? In addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, that's the pipeline for today. We get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion categories, whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. (laughs) 
Coming up next, Corey will have a news update. That'll be followed by a 2023 Patriots season preview. Christopher Price of the Boston Globe scheduled to join us. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, to be phone call time. General discussion, 602-260-1060. Also, we'll get to some local roundup. Uh, that'll be topped by some Cardinals trade analysis. They made one trade right before I went on the air yesterday in this hour, or about an hour before with the Isaiah Simmons thing. They made two more trades later in the day. So we'll have more on that. And uh, a couple other Cardinals items that uh, have been more kind of uh, – at least on NFL Network yesterday. Also have some Diamondbacks and Reds Thursday night analysis and look ahead a little bit to tonight's Friday night game, the second of the four-game series. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. We'll do what's best for the team and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. You're home to the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. The Patriots finished 8-9 last season, capped by losses in three of their last four games. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the Sports Zone by Christopher Price of the Boston Globe. Mr. Price, it was good to have you on. Well, let's start with the offense. It was bad last season, 26th in yards per game, 27th on third down percentage, dead last in red zone touchdown percentage. How much of that was on the now jettisoned offensive coordinator, Matt Patricia? How much of it was on Mac Jones, who had 14 touchdown passes and 11 picks? I would put an awful lot on the shoulders of Matt Patricia. You see this team operate over the course of the summer and through the two preseason games so far, and I think the bar was set so low last year, it's just good to see some competent offense back in New England again. (laughs) So uh, Bill O'Brien is in charge of the offense. Things have turned around significantly. Mac has got a couple more pieces around him, including Juju Schuster, who I think is going to be a really nice addition to the team, and Mike Kosicki, who is going to help a lot with those red zone problems. Uh, the issue right now for the offense is the offensive line. They can't all seem to get healthy. You've seen two-fifths of them out there and three-fifths of them out there. Um, so that's kind of a work in progress at this point. But ultimately, you're going to see a far better offensive grouping than you saw last year in New England. All right, so you mentioned O'Brien's back. Uh, how does his return change the offensive scheme? And, you know, you mentioned a little bit about the offense specifically, but what might your expectations be for that group this year? I think one of the biggest changes you're going to see is a return to the two tight end sets that New England used a lot uh, about a decade or so ago with uh, Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. Uh, Hunter Henry and Mike Kosicki have worked really well together over the course of the summer. And I think that, again, Kosicki's proficiency, Kosicki's overall proficiency in the red zone is certainly a, a big help for them. And, it, I, I, again, I, I think you're going to see it, 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 a lot of differences in this offense this year, um, particularly when you know with the addition of a guy like Kosicki, particularly with the addition of a guy like uh, you know, Schuster. I think this is a team that can score points, enough points, to take a little bit off the shoulders of the defense at least this year. Okay. I realize I'm on the minority here across America, apparently, but I, I remain a Mac Jones skeptic. 
Uh, obviously, there was last year, and you know, not all that was certainly not anywhere near his fault, a lot of it. But I go back to the end of 2021. You know, the Patriots lost four out of the last five that year, and he threw eight touchdowns and seven picks down that stretch. So uh, my, my, my skepticism is still there. Bill Belichick mm-hmm. hasn't exactly supported him a lot, uh, to my knowledge. Uh, is that is that just Bill being Bill, or am I looking at that wrong? <laughs> I think it's more Bill being Bill than anything else. I think he's looking to light a fire in him a little bit. I, I, you know, I, I think that there was a level of dissatisfaction. Uh, you know, e- even with the coaching staff last year, and, and I think that that played a large role in his stagnation as a quarterback. And it, it, again, with O'Brien, you know, I, I think that there are changes in the offense, and I think there are positive changes in the offense, and I think Mac is going to be a part of it. Uh, he's the number one quarterback on this team, without a doubt, as, as the regular season dawns. He's going to be the guy. Uh, I don't think there is a situation where Bailey Zappi wins the job Mac Jones can only lose it, whether you know he gets hurt or he just starts the season absolutely awful. Uh, Mac is the guy in this offense, you know, now moving forward. Christopher Price, the Boston Globe, currently in the Sports Zone. All right, Ramondre Stevenson in just seven starts last year was New England's first 1,000-yard rusher since 2016. He was a very valuable pass catcher also, but Zeke is now there. Zeke Elliott signed earlier this month. How might this running back distribution work? You're going to see Ramondre get the bulk of the carry. Um, and, and Zeke is going to kind of augment him, kind of serve as a complementary piece to the offense. Uh, something that Zeke did a little bit last year in Dallas, I, I think you should get used to that similar situation. That being said, I, I know in the past, when they've had situations like this, when they've had multiple running backs, you know, running backs with some positional redundancy, as, as I call it, Bill has ridden the hot hand more often than not. And so there are going to be games where Ramondre Stevenson gets 25 carries, and there are going to be games where he gets probably six or seven. Um, a lot of it is team-based, a lot of it is personnel-based. If they feel like, you know, for example, if Zeke runs better against the Eagles defense, you know, you're probably going to see more Zeke. But I think ultimately in the end, you're going to see Stevenson get the bulk of the carries in this offense. I don't think he's going to be able to hit the 1,000-yard mark this year, which means one of my favorite all-time Bill Belichick streaks is going to stay alive. He has never had a guy rush for 1,000 yards in back-to-back seats. That's going all the way back to his time in Cleveland. So I think wow. with the addition of Zeke, I think it's going to be the same thing moving forward this year. I don't think Ramondre gets to 1,000. I think he's, had a, he's going to have a good year but he's not going to get to 1,000 yards. That's a fantasy football owner's nightmare right there. But that, that's you know, the running back situation in New England has been a nightmare for fantasy football owners for a long time. So that's, that's nothing new. Okay, uh, the receiver target share. Uh, you mentioned Juju. Also, since the end of last season, they've extended Deon, uh, Devontae Parker's contract. They signed Gasicki, as you mentioned. How might all that work out? I think you're going to see – you probably get the bulk of the uh, the catches this year. Um, I, I, you know, again, I think I think tight end is going to be an important position, as I said before. But I so I just think the fact that you have two really good tight ends there, I think they're going to kind of split the catches. But Juju should be a, an important part of this offense. The strength of this passing game is in the short and intermediate work. And from what I've seen so far from Juju, he's willing to go over the middle. He's willing to make some tough catches, get some yards after the catch. Uh, 
that that's one of the things that kind of differentiates him from the rest of the receivers in this in, in, in that wide receiver room. So I think Juju is going to lead them. I think the tight ends are going to be an important part. I think Devontae Parker is going to be the home run hitter. And I think rookie Demario Douglas is kind of a sneaky good pickup if you're a, a fantasy football mm. guy. He, he's someone who is really impressed over the course of the summer. He's going to make the team. He's a sixth-round pick out of Liberty. He's going to make the team. He has terrific speed. He has great short area quickness. He's going to be an important part of this offense before it's all set. Okay, I'm writing Demario Douglas. I'm writing this down. There you okay. go. Very nice. All right. Uh, the offensive line. Uh, how do you evaluate that group? And is right tackle still a mystery? Yeah, it, it really is. The left side is trending in the right direction. I'll say that. Trent Brown, who was a big question mark last year, he appears to be back in you know back in playing shape. You're going to get Cole Strange back. He's missed part of the part of the the, the workouts this summer. Uh, David Andrews in the middle is you know rock solid. So the left side of that line, you feel good about. The right side, not so much. They've had Riley Reef, a veteran tackle, play some right guard over the course of the summer. Michael Wenyu, a guy who is really really good. We haven't seen him since the end of the year last year. He had off-season ankle surgery. He made his first appearance on the practice field this past week. I don't think he's going to play tonight against the Titans. And the question is whether or not he's going to play in, let's say, you know, the first week or two of the season. But when he gets back, you feel pretty good about the right side of the line because he's really good again. He can play both tackle and guard. So they need to find one more guy, whether it's going to be Riley Reef, whether it's going to be one of these youngsters that they drafted, Antonio Maffi, uh, Jake Andrews, our veteran James Ferentz, who's played there before. But there's some positions, there's a single position, at least right now, that's kind of up for grabs. At least Riley Reef at this point appears to be the leader in the clubhouse. But, yeah, it's still very much of a work in progress as we get closer to the regular season. Okay, kind of out of left field question here. It's football, I guess. So maybe kind of an off-the-bench question here. Is there a role for you know Malik Cunningham here, uh, rookie quarterback? Yeah. Yeah, he's fun to watch, man. I, I tell you what, he's played uh, quarterback, he's played wide receiver, he's worked as a gunner on special teams. My own hot wow. take is he's going to go to full Edelman this year. Um, he's going to play. You know, he's going to play at least one defensive snap as well. So look for that. He is the ideal fifty-third guy for your roster because he can do a little bit of everything. I'm not saying he's going to be this overwhelming presence statistically across the board, but his football IQ his speed, his ability to play quarterback and wide receiver, it's all going to kind of figure in this year. I don't think, again, you know, he's going to be the kind of guy who's going to you know, be in consideration for the MVP, but I think he's going to be able to bring a little bit of a different dynamic for this team, maybe some goal line packages. I, you know, I, He's worked as a returner. He joked the other day the last time he had to tackle a guy was in top order, so he's you know, a little rusty there. <laughs> but this is a really interesting prospect, and I think it's, it's a lot of fun to see him play again. I think he's going to be He's going to make the roster. He's going to keep that streak going of one undrafted free agent making the roster every year for the last, like, 20 years. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, the defense, 10th last season in points allowed, 8th in yards allowed. Those were very impressive numbers when considering the inept offense oftentimes. Uh, so, you know, why were they so good last season, and what do you forecast in 2023? They had some really good personnel in Kyle Duggar and Matthew Judon and Christian Barmore, but they didn't really beat any great quarterbacks. I, you know, I, I think that's one of the reasons why the numbers were so good. They feasted on really bad quarterbacks. And when it came time to play teams like Buffalo, you know, they, they struggled. And so what I want to see from this defense this coming year is I want to see them take the next step of the group. I want to see them be able to win a game 
against a playoff quality team through a solid defensive effort. They played very well over the course of last year. And, and I think part of last season, why things kind of broke down for them was they were asked to do too much. You know, the, the offense couldn't keep up and special teams couldn't keep up. And so it was all in the defense to be able to keep this team in games. And they did it for a, a good chunk of the season, but they just couldn't kind of finish the job. But ultimately, like I said, I want to see this defense be able to compete against quality offenses on a regular basis. I want to be able to see them steal a game against, you know, they came close last year in games like in Minnesota, in Cincinnati. And uh, it just, they, they just couldn't seem to get over the top against those really good quarterbacks. I want to see them pull off a couple of those wins. Devin McCourty, retired after 13 seasons. How difficult is it going to be to replace him at free safety? Oh, he, he was one of the best leaders the franchise has ever seen. That being said, they, at least right now, are well positioned in the post-Devin McCourty era at safety. They have three really talented, four really talented players at safety who are versatile, who are smart, who've been around for a few years. Kyle Duggar is poised to have a great year. He's in a contract year, too, so I think that's going to help him. But Kyle Duggar is a great young playmaker. He's going to be a name that's going to be known across the league this year. He's a guy who can cover tight ends and running backs and play in the box and offer run support. He can do everything. Kyle Duggar, remember that name on a national level. Duggar is poised to have a great year. They have guys like Adrian Phillips and Jabril Peppers and Jalen Mills, guys who've played a little bit of cornerback, played a little bit of safety. Just These guys have been around the block. And they know football. You know, we talked about the high football IQ before, Malik Cunningham. These guys really know the game. They're smart. They're tough. They're talented. And so, you know, unlike maybe the post-Tom Brady or where they didn't have a, you know, a game plan moving forward at quarterback, they have set themselves up for success when it comes to the safety position. And I think that safety position is going to make them feel better about maybe being a little bit thin at quarterback going into the regular season. Okay, time for our, my annual Lawrence Guy question here. Now, 13 seasons out of Arizona State. Uh, still effective in 2022. How's he factor in this year? He's going to be he's going to be an important part of the defense. He, he's going to be part of that defensive rotation along that front, working in conjunction with other defensive tackles like Christian Barmore and the pass rushers like Matthew Judon and Josh Vichay. They love him in New England, although they tried to mess around with his contract a little bit, which I don't for the life of me understand because he's one of the best guys in the locker room. Uh, but, yeah, he's going to be an important part of what they want to get done on defense. He's a valued person, you know, a valued member of the roster. He is a, a, very, a very, very well-respected guy in that locker room. And so he is going to be there for the long term. Uh, he's, you know, he continues to impress me both on and off the field with many, many charitable endeavors in New England. This is a guy you want to keep around, and this is a guy who, like I said before, is going to be an important part of what, what they want to get done defensively in 2023. Okay, continue with the Arizona State theme. Uh, you know, quarterback Jack Jones played some multiple roles in the secondary last season. I assume that will be similar this year, and uh, did, has he dodged uh, possible NFL issues, a suspension possibly after the offseason uh, situation? That's still very much up in the air at this point. Uh, they, they could use him, you know, setting aside the very serious real-world issues that he's facing. From a football perspective, they could use him because, like I said, it's a young cornerback room. It's a thin cornerback room. And to have a guy like Jack Jones out there on a regular basis, I think, would be an improvement. But right now, it's still up in the air. I, I, I think it was postponed. The, his latest court date, I think, is before week two, if memory serves. So it's, probably, it's in another few weeks. Um and we'll know more then. But if they can have him, if they can, you know, if they can keep him on the field, 
I think it's going to be, you know, he's going to be a key part of that, key part of that secondary. But there are a lot of questions right now, a lot more questions than answers to lead at this point. Okay, Belichick, as we know, uh, we look, he loves his special teams. He drafted a kicker and a punter. Uh, U of A alum, uh, you know, you know, you know, is he still the kicker? And uh, you know, how do you assess the special teams at this point, Nick Folk? I think the, yeah, I think the special teams are going to be better this year. Um, there was some uncharacteristic sloppiness over the last twelve months from the special teams group. They lost games, you know, particularly the Minnesota game, because of, I think in large part because of special team sloppiness. Um, it was interesting that well-respected veteran and special team, longtime special team captain Matthew Slater. At the start of training camp, I, I asked him about you know last year's gaps, for lack of a better term, on special teams. He said, "Look, the time we're we're at it. We're out of excuses because it's going on now a couple of years, and we're used to a different standard risk. So they brought in a couple of new special teamers. They drafted the kicker. They drafted the puncher. And I would expect things to be better this year. Maybe not to the level as to where they were, you know, 10 to 15 years ago, where they were winning games on the margins because of special teams. But they're not going to lose games." because of special teams. Nick Folk and Chad Ryland. Chad Ryland's the rookie uh, who is challenging Nick Folk for the job and has looked good, at least at this point in the summer. But, you know, Folk has beat back younger competitors before, and I wouldn't put it up him to do the same thing again this year because he's, he's been dependable. The rookie has been a little inconsistent over the last week. At the very least, I could see them carrying two kickers into the regular season, both Folk and Ryland. Uh, especially if you know there's a there's a sense that Ryland does struggle. They're not going to cut Ryland. I'll say that because they traded up to get him. You know, they took a kicker in the fourth round. You're not going to cut a kicker that you took in the fourth round. So that 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 battle is still playing out as we speak. All right, bottom line time here. The expectations not high. Over or under seven and a half wins. I'd go over. I would. I'd, I'd, I'd go over seven and a half wins. Look, I, I think if everything breaks for this team. Everything goes right. They stay healthy. Mack is the guy who was for a large part of his rookie year. The defense is able to knock off some some really good offenses. And, you know, you get some of those younger players like Keon White and Christian Gonzalez really started to emerge as, as dependable everyday contributors. I think the ceiling for this team is 10 or 11 wins, which should be enough to get you into the playoffs. Um, and I think that's the expectation around New England, that this team should be a playoff team as constituted. Uh, but we'll see. Again, you know, it very rarely plays out like that. But, yeah, I, I'd put him for – I'd take the over in that equation, put it that way. All right, Mr. Price, always a pleasure talking to you. I'm sure we'll be checking back during the regular season. Thanks. Sounds good, Bob. Take care, and we'll talk soon. All right, Christopher Price, Boston Globe, excellent stuff. We've been talking to Mr. Price for a long time. Starting to think uh, how many years, at least at least a decade. Uh, so I uh, always appreciate his time. And he, uh, he, he's certainly thorough and uh, understands the Patriots better than anybody I know. Meanwhile, in the next segment, phone call time, 602-260-1060, and also today's local roundup. That will include more on the uh, Cardinals Thursday trade uh, festival, I guess we could call it. And also Diamondbacks and uh, Reds, some Thursday night analysis there. Phone call time if you want to get in. General discussion, 602-260-1060. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSA M1060 and KISS Lux HD2 100.7.
Driving Out Time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time. If you'd like to get in, 602-260-1060. Feel free to interrupt if you'd like. Um, had a couple calls this week in this segment, but uh, we can get more. So if you want to get in, 602-260-1060. All right, today's local roundup. The Cardinals traded their top two picks to the 2020 draft within hours yesterday as a uh, uh, as we discussed on Thursday, and uh, it's also today's Twitter poll question, the part of it, uh, the Cardinals dead Isaiah Simmons and the Giants for a seventh-round pick. Just after we finished the extra point on uh, on Thursday, the Cardinals announced that they had traded Josh Jones and a seventh-round pick to the Texans for a uh, third-round pick, uh, yeah, third pick, which is an excellent return for a player that almost certainly was not going to make the Cardinals roster. Uh, you know, we went to the practice two Saturdays, three Saturdays ago, early this month now, long time ago. Uh, you know, he was, uh, you know, Jones was actually the fourth tackle on the field that day at that practice. He played in the fourth quarter of the first preseason game, actually played in the first quarter of the second preseason game. So maybe that was a trade show, uh, showcase there for the, the Texans. And he's from Houston. I'm not, I'm not sure. He went to college in Houston. So I'm, I assume he's happy that he's going back home and it wasn't going to work out for him here. Meanwhile, the Cardinals made another trade, a third trade on Thursday. They acquired quarterback Josh Dobbs and a seventh-round pick for the Browns and for a fifth-round pick. Yeah, Dobbs has actually worked with Cardinals' first-year offensive coordinator, Drew Petzing. In fact, they worked together last season in Cleveland. Uh, so I think that had something to do with that. Also, adding Dobbs might mean that the Cardinals do not uh, you know, fall into the uh, the Clayton Tune moving up the depth chart theme that I've heard way too much here in recent days. Uh, so I think that that ain't happening. I didn't think it was happening anyway, but now I think it's you know, definitely not happening. Meanwhile, speaking of quarterbacks, USC's Caleb Williams uh, said there's no guarantee that he's going to enter the 2024 NFL draft. Uh, you know, you know I kind of just took that. I wonder maybe this is an unofficial, uh, you know, early, uh, let's see, uh, you know, just declaration from Williams that maybe he doesn't want to play for the Cardinals because uh, most people seem to think that the Cardinals are going to have the first pick of the draft next year. Meanwhile, also in today's local roundup, the Diamondbacks won for the first time in four meetings this season against the Reds. On a night that Merrill Kelly was dominant before leaving again because of an injury, Arizona last night did not score until the uh, two outs in the eighth inning. Corbin Carroll homered, uh, and then uh, Paul Sewald needed 28 pitches to get the save in the ninth inning. Turned out to be a happy, happy, joy, joy day, a 2-1-1 for the Diamondbacks. Kelly retired 15 consecutive batters. He allowed just one hit through seven innings. But then after he tried to warm up to start the eighth inning, he was forced to leave because of hamstring cramping. That's happened a couple of times now. Uh, he allowed just the one hit, no walks. Uh, also had a you know, career-high 12 strikeouts, 21 swing strikes on 86 pitches, 64 of those strikes. I'm thinking that the 21 swinging strikes might actually be a career-high for Merrill Kelly. I'm not exactly sure where to look that up. 
but that's a lot of swinging strikes for anybody. And uh, you know, let alone you know, Merrill Kelly's not you know, throwing 98 out there. Uh, so good for him. Hopefully he's okay. Now Carroll homered for the first time in over 100 plate appearances going back to last month at Cincinnati. Carroll, after uh, you know, he went two for four last night, is now nine for his last 17 at-bats. Uh, Seawall danced around a four-pitch walk to Spencer Steer uh, to get the final three outs in the ninth inning. That included a 10-pitch uh, called strike three to Ellie De La Cruz and a seven-pitch called strike three to end the game against Christian Encarnacion Strand, so uh, against uh, two of the rookies from the Reds. Also, after Kelly departed to uh, start the eighth inning, Kyle Nelson allowed a game-tying homer to the first batter that he faced, Nick Sanzel. Four hitters later, the Reds had actually taken a 2-1 lead when Nelson, after after Nelson had walked uh, you know, rookie uh, you know, you know, Nelvin Marte, uh, another highly acclaimed rookie that the Reds just brought up last weekend. Uh, Marte then stole second, and then Stevenson singled off of Miguel Castro. Stevenson was the first hitter that Castro faced last night, and he gave up a run on that. Uh, to that, it being you know, allowed an inherited runner, uh, not that charged. That run's not charged to him because of the interesting scoring decisions there. That, you know, basically, baseball has been following forever. Meanwhile, the uh, Diamondbacks. Fortunate uh, to overcome some more bad base running this time in the seventh inning. It's almost impossible to describe what they were doing on radio. Uh, Torrey Lavello didn't even really want to talk about it at the end of the game. He was extremely agitated at the time, uh, but they got away with it. But their base running since the All-Star break has been below par. Let's put it that way. Also, the same thing with the situational hitting. That's been another issue. That's been going on really since July the 1st. Last night, the Diamondbacks, two, two for nine with runners in scoring position, left nine runners on base. Red starting pitcher, rookie starting pitcher, Brandon Williamson, who began the season in the minor leagues, he threw six scoreless innings last night. He's now thrown 12 innings over two starts this season against the Diamondbacks. He's only allowed one run on nine hits to them. Meanwhile, Tommy Pham uh, singled in the sixth inning. He now has a 14-game hitting streak. That is the longest current hitting streak in Major League Baseball. Personnel news. Uh, the Reds had to place Joey Votto on the 10-day injured list yesterday with left shoulder discomfort. Uh, they recalled the previously mentioned Nick Sanzel uh, from AAA and to hit that home run that uh, tied the game at the time. Also, Reds uh, you know, projected starting pitcher, and he was a starter before he got hurt earlier in the season. But Nick Lodolo... Uh, it was announced earlier this week has suffered a setback in his rehab start at AAA Louisville. Uh, he's been out since May. Uh, they were actually counting on him to return. I think that's one of the reasons that they didn't go out and get another uh, starting pitcher at the trade deadline. Uh, but now he's out. And uh, according to David Bell, he had a stress reaction uh, of the spinal cord. And that's kind of the same area that he had a reoccurrence, I guess, is the right term here. Uh, he's going to seek a second opinion, but it seems like there's almost no chance that Lodolo is going to pitch any more this year for the Reds. Coming up next to be game two of this four-game series, Brandon Fott, who was 0-6 with a 6-13 earn run average as the Diamondbacks scheduled starting pitcher. He's been a much better pitcher on the road, 4.20, than he has been at home, 7.96, 
largely because he's allowed six home runs in just 31 and two-thirds innings at home this season during his rookie year. The uh, Reds have changed their starting pitcher for tonight. It's going to be Tyler Green. He came off the injured list last Sunday, made his first start in over a month, and he was torched uh, by the Blue Jays. He gave up nine runs on ten hits, including five home runs in a 10-3 loss at Toronto. Uh, They've moved him up one day. He was originally supposed to start on Saturday against the Diamondbacks. Meanwhile, around the National League West, the Dodgers won twice yesterday. Uh, Mookie Betts matched his career high with five hits. And uh, they completed the uh, suspended game from Wednesday night. And then Kiki Hernandez homered and doubled twice in the uh, in the uh, regularly scheduled game. And the Dodgers win two games yesterday over the Guardians, 6-1 to one and 9-3. to three. Uh, Betts has been unbelievable of late. Actually, he's been really unbelievable most of the season. He actually need, now leads uh, the National League in war. Well, it depends on which war you look at because – you know, the uh, two, you know, supposed war experts as far as figuring these things out, they don't agree, uh, which is, you know, one of the problems I have with some of these advanced metrics is maybe they get their act together and agree on something, but they don't. But anyway, he's leasing both of them, which is especially, he's even ahead of, of Acuna Jr. now, so maybe it's not an automatic MVP vote uh, for Mr. Acuna Jr. Meanwhile, on uh, the injury front, Walker Bueller has actually been here in Arizona and Glendale uh, throwing to actually hitters now, simulated situations. They still think that they might get him back sometime in September, most likely as a relief pitcher. For the Dodgers today, it's Lance Lynn, who has been incredible. His first four starts for the Dodgers, he's 3-0 and zero with a 4-144 run average. The Dodgers have won all four of those starts. Uh, so it's been that Dodger magic because he was getting clobbered when he was pitching for the White Sox this season. Also, it's uh, in Boston. It's raining like hell in Boston. Uh, There's speculation that they're going to call this game long before the 4 o'clock hour time first pitch, so it might be a doubleheader tomorrow. It's also Mookie Betts' return to Boston uh, the first time since he was obviously traded to the Dodgers. All right, that's it for the local roundup for today. Next up... Corey will have a news update that will be followed by the conclusion of today's spectacular radio program with the national roundup, including more from the MLB scoreboard from yesterday. Limited schedule, but some very important games in both the National League and the American League. So we'll get to some of that. Also, we'll try to get to some from the wire and uh, rip from the headlines type of things in the next segment in addition to that. Don't forget the extra point hosted by Kayla. From 10 to noon, that uh, is coming up after we uh, finish the spectacular, this spectacular edition of the Sports Zone. So stay tuned, as we mentioned, for that. All right, you're listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD2 100.7. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KTUS 1060 app. It's time for today's national roundup. 
Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. On to the Major League Baseball scoreboard. Ian Happ, the go-ahead single in the 10th inning last night. The Cubs win 5-4 over the Pirates. The Cubs are now 67-60. They've won 5 out of 6. They're only three games behind the first place Brewers in the NL Central. Those teams play three games next week, and they also play the final three games of the season at Milwaukee, so plenty of matchups between Albert, uh, Adbert Alzali. I always get that first name wrong. Adbert Alzali. I got the last name, I think, nailed. Uh, he got the save. He's been spectacular here of late. I believe that's uh, 15 or 16 consecutive saves for him and 20 on the season. Kyle Hendricks goes today for the Cubs in Game 2 of this series against Pittsburgh. Mitch Keller, you never know what you're going to get out of Mitch Keller. Some days it looks like he's going to throw a no-hitter. The next start looks like he's not going to get anybody out. Uh, so on the season, he's 10-8, and 8, which is a pretty good record for a bad team, and a 422 earned run average. Meanwhile, the Orioles end up winning 10 of their 13 games this season against the Blue Jays, Anthony Santander, and also uh, Cedric Mullins homered last night. And Kyle Gibson, I've been doubting him all year. He's now won 13 games as the number one starter for the Orioles. He gave up three runs and six hits over eight innings. Went eight innings. That's the longest start by a uh, start by an uh, actually longest stint by an Orioles starter this season. He also finished the year three and zero against Toronto. So Toronto, happy that they're done with them, but you know, Toronto's just been atrocious against the American League East. That's the biggest reason that they're in the situation that they're currently in. Meanwhile, uh, the uh, Rangers have now lost seven straight. Uh, last night, it was a uh, pinch hitter Ryan Jeffers hitting a two-run, two-out home run in the eighth inning off of Will Smith, who had some issues here earlier in the week. The Twins beat Texas 7-5. to five. Uh, the uh, division leading matchup uh, between uh, well, the matchup between two division leaders, uh, the uh, you know the uh, Minnesota actually hit a season high five home runs. I was watching this game last night. The ball was flying out of the park last night at Minnesota. A lot of hot weather, and you know we talked about it was 116 in the heat index in Milwaukee on Wednesday. Uh, it wasn't that uh, to that le- level in Minnesota on Thursday, but it was very hot at least for Minnesota at this time of the year. Meanwhile, the Red Sox routed the Astros yesterday. Uh, Tucson High School product Alex Verdugo, who's had an up-and-down career as a as a uh, Red Sox player after he got traded in part of the Mookie Betts trade. Uh, Verdugo hit a leadoff homer and had four home, uh, four hits in the game, and uh, they won 17-1 to yesterday in the series finale. Uh, the Astros using position players uh, on the mound to end that game yesterday. They split a four-game series, the Red Sox and the Astros. They play three more at home next week. Excuse me, they play three more next week in Boston. All right, a rip from the headlines, just some random stuff here. Let's start with the NFL. We talked about this briefly yesterday. Jerry Judy of the Broncos carted off the field during the Thursday joint practice against the Rams. Uh, NFL Network and NFL Media reporting, that's the same thing actually, that Judy is uh, expected to miss several weeks with what is considered to be a moderate hamstring injury. And by the way, we'll preview the AFC West in the Sports Zone next week as we wrap up our division and team previews for the NFL season. Commanders wide receiver Terry McLaurin scheduled to play, uh, actually uncertain to play, my bad, uncertain to play in week one against the Cardinals. 
suffered a toe injury in the uh, in the uh, in the fourth quarter. Actually, excuse me, the second quarter of the game against uh, the preseason game against the Ravens this week. That's when Ron Rivera decided to play his starters for the entire first half, and McLaurin got hurt right at the end of the first half in that game, or at least at the end of their offensive reps for the first team in that first half. Cooper Cup said he expects to play in week one. He's been out since uh, injuring a hamstring on August the 1st. Meanwhile, the Seahawks actually activated Jamal Adams from the pup list. This does not mean that Adams will play in week one. He's returning from the quad injury that ended his uh, 2022 season in September. Uh, Vikings uh, tight end TJ Hawkinson is uh you know, been talking to the Vikings about a contract extension, but uh, various reports now is that that's not going to happen. And also one quick note from the NBA, uh, Giannis has told the New York Times that he's not going to get a he's not going to seek a contract extension or not going to sign a contract extension when he's eligible to do so next summer because you know, he wants to find out whether they're on the same same thought process of trying to win another championship. This seems to kind of back up the thought that Giannis was not happy when Mike Budenholzer was fired as the Bucks head coach. All right, next two-hour extra point coming up with Kayla. Stay tuned for that. We'll have a season prop bet discussion with Brian Lewis of uh, Pro Football Network and more phone call time, 602-260-1060. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.